It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's New Year's Day, 2024. Connacht are taking on Munster. It's about 12 minutes before kickoff. It's absolutely hammering down with rain. It's quite cold, but there's so many people in the clan stand. Actually, feel quite warm. Danny, Connacht have to win today. 100%. It, it, this, this is an absolute must-win game for Connacht. Um, especially uh, Munster have another uh, another two injuries added to their their injury woes an hour before kickoff. So again. Um, they're, they're coming here as a, a wounded beast and Connacht really need to put them to the sword I know you, you were saying that you've, you've put a, a couple of bob on, on Connacht at, at plus 8 I'm, I'm not sure minus 8 minus 8 I'm, I'm not sure it'll be, uh, yes, it'll be that not, big of a win I suppose in the day that's in it it's, it's yes. pretty windy it is very very wet um, we're, just, we're just looking at Tom Hearn on the wing the 6 foot 9 winger like I've never seen a winger that tall before but um, as they warm up and they drop the ball but there you go I'm sure we're going to see quite a lot of that today so yeah let's see how we get on and we'll talk again on 20 minutes Okay, Danny just coming up to 20 minutes Connacht have a scrum in their own 22 but they lead 3-0 uh, we've had a couple of substitutions in force Kyle Ford's gone off looks like a bad shoulder injury Oleg Jaeger got taken off on a stretcher after a huge hit um, but it's as tense and tight as we thought it was going to be. Yeah, very tense. Uh, quite quite a cagey thing. At the the weather is definitely playing its part on that. Um, but like only three 0 after twenty minutes is uh, is kind of a testament for for the kind of game it is. Um, bit of a classic for Connacht Connacht Monster fixtures, especially up here. I do remember a six three win for Monster? Hopefully, uh, we can get a few more points on the board. Exactly, exactly. Not much else to talk about, so we'll talk again at half-time. Half-time, Munster lead by six points to three. It's played, took them nearly an hour to play that half of rugby. With another couple of serious injuries, and Connacht have a yellow card, Byron Ronsell, just at half-time, getting a yellow card for a, an illegal clear-out. It's a tough, tough game. Yeah, he's very lucky uh, that he did actually manage to make a little bit of contact with... Um uh, Jack O'Donoghue's shoulder before he hit his knee because that could easily have been red yeah. um, but it's a, it's a huge defensive half from Connacht yeah, like massive. just to be honest to be How six playing against the wind uh, yes and it might not look like it on the on the screen uh, but there's a fierce fierce wind um, like Munster have gotten into Connacht's 22 seven times and only wow. come away with six points like it's a massive massive bit to be uh, keeping them out like that like we are bringing pressure onto ourselves a couple of poor clearances but too many penalties yes yeah we, we it's eight eight penalties to four which we'd really need to turn around uh, but if we can get get on the right side of the ref the game is there for Connacht because they're, they're pushing Munster back in every defensive set they certainly are and the crowd are well into this game I don't think remember a three o'clock kickoff being this vibrant I have to say so let's see how we get on we talk again on 60 minutes okay 60 minutes Munster lead 9-6 now but Connacht have a very kickable penalty Danny it's been very tight Connacht are just giving away just a few too many penalties still they're still on the wrong side of the ref yeah they're still on the wrong side of the ref what I'd find frustrating is uh, some of the penalties were um, given against Connacht and Munster doing the same thing that that's where Connacht fans get frustrated but Connacht are playing in the right areas it's the big problem yeah they are they are, they are dominating a lot of possession the line is going incredibly well I know. I know. 
It wasn't a 50-22, it was actually a monster line-out and um, it was overthrown. It was just, it was relentless. I know I, it's something that they keep saying, it's, it was a relentless work rate from Connacht. Yeah. Uh, really learned, like, from, from that, that bad spell of games, it's like, to me, that's the polar opposite of Bordeaux. Yes, just yeah. absolute work rate. There was a few times they were nearly caught at, at Pillar and you saw guys working really hard. Joe Joyce did it at one point, he went into a ruck realised he couldn't do anything and bounced straight back out if he didn't Munster had men like it was just the awareness of where they were on the pitch was superb from Connacht they were just they were excellent anyway what impression was about Connacht tonight for me it would be the line out and the restarts Connacht made sure of every single restart on a really wet difficult night and made Munster uh, make many mistakes like Munster in the start of the second half they let the ball bounce it was such a a contrast of what people have been saying about Connacht this season. It's impressive to see. Like so, when when they get it right, uh, they can really, you know, make teams pay. Someone that I was giving criticism to uh, a few weeks back was Heffernan. His line out tone was absolutely on point. Yeah. And uh, another person that we've been giving, both of us giving stick to, was Bundy. Wow, is he up for this game tonight? Oh, it, it just full of chat. Yeah, that is the Bundy we've been looking for. That's the Bundy we've been waiting for. That's Ireland level Bundy that we saw there. Okay, let's take a break and hear the post-match press conference. Pete, uh, nothing like ending a losing streak in an interprovincial, so it's really turned a bit of a corner again, I'd say, is the way you're going to look at it. Yeah, I think it was important for us to break that, that run of losses, uh, you know, obviously the context of our season, but also just in terms of the momentum mm. uh, going into the second half of the URC. I think, I think that was crucial. Um, I think, though, just in the context of a home Interpro, mm. New Year's Day, um, you know, sold out crowd, I, I think that was enormously important that, um, you know, we demonstrate the, the sort of fight and, and also the rugby smarts that, that rewards the people that were standing out there in um, some pretty atrocious conditions. So, Look, I think at every level it was important that we got the result and a convincing result as well. It wasn't just hanging on for dear life at the end. Um, and I thought it was thoroughly deserved. Yeah, it was a real battle. I don't think it's going to live long in the memory. I don't know if you see it from that perspective, but it's obviously not really going to be one of those triumphant victories of a monster. It was more kind of workmanlike, wasn't it? I think it was workmanlike in terms of um, you know the, the style of rugby that was played. I, I think for us... You know, there were some, some really impressive uh, and long sets of defence, which we knew would be important against the, the type of attack that Munster play. Um, you know, I think areas of our game you know, stood up. The, the line-out defence, I thought, was a really important part in terms of us disrupting their rhythm. Um, you know, we started to get an ascendancy at the scrum. And um, you know, I think second half, we saw some of the smarts around our game management and, and the quality of the kicking game and the kick chase. So you know, I think you've got to really enjoy rugby to, to appreciate those bits of it. Um, it certainly wasn't the razzle-dazzle. Um, but nor was it just a, a sort of scruffy, uh, a scruffy arm wrestle either. So, you know, a lot of those aspects are referred to there are, are bits that we've been working on over the last um, two to three weeks that, that um, you know, perhaps haven't been where they need to be for us to be really competitive this year. So I thought, um, you know, in a, in a home interpro uh, and fiercely contested, it was um, really pleasing that those bits stood up so well. Uh, JJ Hanron has played Munster twice now in these one-ball games. How important was his 
kind of street smarts and knowledge of Munster do you think tonight in the performance that he's put in out there? Um, look, I think probably most important was the fact he's just a really good player. And, um, you know, there, there wasn't necessarily the... The, the sort of multi-phase game management that, that I think is a particular strength of his. Um, you know, as I said, he, he had to shift a fullback there after Carl mm-hmm. Ford went off, but but we still got the advantage of him sort of chiming in at, at, at second receiver, first receiver. Sometimes we've got his kicking game. Obviously, his goal kicking was important for us. Um, so I think in terms of the quality of the performance, that that was massive. I, I think when you've got someone who's from a club and, and obviously knows a club as well as he does. Um, you know, it probably brings, probably brings a sense of calm as well. A, a lot of our guys would have a good understanding of how Munster play and and the strengths and, and weaknesses of the individual players there. But I think when you've got someone who's really been embedded in a club and, and is from there, you know, I think they do bring a sense of calm in terms of being able to, um, you know, give guys extra detail on, on some of the blokes that, that you're playing against. But um, but also just reference the fact that you know everyone's human and, and these players have their weaknesses as much as anyone else. And uh, you know, from that comes opportunities. Another big performance of Keane Prendergast, and we'll talk to him in, in a few minutes. But I just want to ask you about Joe Joyce. You brought in a player there for exactly these kind of nights, isn't it? He really did stand up to the battle against Munster. Yeah, he did. I, I thought Joe was really impressive. And, um, you know, certainly he gives us that physical ballast. Um, you know, and uh, we have a lot of quality around our, our tight five forwards, um, a lot of dynamism. And, and Joe brings a slightly different profile to that. And um, as you said, in terms of his background and, and playing in the Premiership in particular, he's used to those attritional nights where set piece is important. I thought he called the line out really well, really intelligently this evening. Um, you know, and that, and that what could have been a really tricky night for for jumpers, lifters, and particularly throwers. I, I thought he did a great job at managing the pressure that they were under at certain times and giving us some some ball to either maul off or attack off. Um, and then you know, around the park, he as I said, he brings that physical presence as well. So you know, to have Oshin Downing then to come off the bench and replace him, it was a little bit later than planned, mainly because we had those couple of injuries uh, late on and a couple of concerns with a couple of guys. We need, needed to keep someone fresh. Mm. But um, you know, Oshin to come on and, and you know bring the freshness and, and pick up the intensity that Joe left, I, th- I thought was really uh, really impressive. No team uh, outside maybe two or three have enough depth to be losing three backs in a game. So you've got Hanson, Ford, and Blade gone off there. What can you tell? Us? Uh, yeah, look, um, Fordy went off with a shoulder injury. It looked like an AC joint. Um, not sure at this stage of, of the severity of it. Um, hopefully not too bad, but it's certainly bad enough that, that it was an immediate removal. Straight away, your 6-2 bench starts to look a little bit skinny in terms of that. But um, we trained for that. We trained for losing one of those backs and JJ going to fullback and Jack going into 10. So, you know, I think that was important in terms of the lads having some cohesion there, but also mentally being able to ride out what, what could have been a major disruption. Um, Caelan Blade failed an HIA, which he went up for with 15 minutes to go. And uh, and then uh, Mac injured his shoulder, um, receiving a clean out of that breakdown. So, again, Max, the severity of that, we'll have to wait and see. He's pretty sore downstairs, to be honest. Um, but but we'll get the scans and, and see where he's at with that. So you know, again, to finish the game with 14 men and, and to see it out in that fashion, you know, adds to I suppose the satisfaction. I don't want to make it what aboutism, but like Max clear out, you may have an opinion on that. Graham Rountree isn't at all happy with the clear out on Jack O'Donnell by Byron Watson. Do you have any perspective on that? Yeah, I was I was coming down for half time and actually standing around the technical area on the on the Byron one. So um, look, I, I think something where where players are, are making contact with the lower limbs of players that are contesting the the ball. I know that's something that that um, you know the powers that be have said they want to be particularly hard on this year. Um, so look, I, I've not had the replays of it, but uh, certainly the referees had a good look at it, um, and, and for it to be a yellow. Um, 
you know, the, I don't know whether there's any follow-up on that or whether that's the decision made. I think the Mac one, you know, the discussion is the player that hit him and, and you know, hit it, damaged his shoulder. Is he coming in legally or is he coming in from the side? So, you know, these are split-second moments and the referees have to make a decision and, um, you know, the TMOs try and help them with that. But, um, you know, I, I think if you're on the receiving end of either, you're, you're probably a little unhappy as a coach. Just as someone who's been here for decades covering Connacht, like a period of four wins out of six over Munster is, is sensational if you're looking at it in terms of history yet we've come out of a night here where no one's bouncing up and down because it was ground out what does that mean to you that statistic four wins out of six and the reality that this isn't necessarily going to turn the heads of everyone around Europe either this particular performance night um, I think uh, you know it probably shows the growth of the club. I, I think that you know if you if you get those kind of um, statistics in terms of in terms of win record against a, a really high profile and good team, I, you know I think that's um, probably a reflection of that. I, I think for us, you know, to say no one's sort of jumping up and down for the points, I, I think it's um, it's probably partly a bit of fatigue in terms of the effort that's gone in tonight, but also the you know the the emotional energy spent building up to a game like this and particularly on the back of a run of losses you know and so the energy and intensity around what we were doing uh, never dropped from from players or coaches um, but i think when you do get that win and and you do put on what i thought was a really good performance for the conditions um it's it, it's a it's a genuine satisfaction maybe a quiet satisfaction rather than a, a sort of wanting to go out and party i suppose um and uh you know, for us, we, we deserve the criticism. I think any time that, that you're not winning games, uh, you know, it's, it's professional sport. That's how it goes. But um, you know, I think um, th- there's a feeling of uh, we, we got what we deserved this evening, and um, and that was through a, a heck of a lot of hard work and a lot of bravery at times. Not just in terms of the physical bravery that these games need, but also in terms of how we played the game and, and how we managed the game. And I think, I said, with that, you know, you look each other in the eye, and um, you know, we can walk away and, and build again. Are you confident, just to finish for me, that Connacht are a playoff team at the end of this season? Do you think tonight kind of shows it? Well, I think that's always our goal. And, and I think when you beat the reigning champions and, and you beat what's a really good a really good club and, and um, you know, a club that's at the top end of the competition, uh, you know, it reinforces your credentials for being a, a top eight team. Every year we aim for that. Um, we want to be in knockout stages. We want to be in the Champions Cup. And, you know, most years we get there, some years we don't. Um, but this year it's particularly important that, that we're up there, I think. And, um, you know, it's not been a, an easy run of 11 fixtures for us, but we're there or thereabouts and, and we're on track for the second half of the season. I think that's um, that's really important to give us that momentum going into it. Uh, Keen, congrats. A massive victory for the group. Obviously you feel like that was that was coming after last week, maybe a one-point loss. Um, you got the job done today. Yeah, look, we... Obviously, be on the the bad side of a couple of couple of games. So, but to be honest, we weren't in as bad a place as the results dictated. Like, obviously, the Bordeaux game was a bit of an anomaly. Like, it was just a poor performance. Saracens game, there was a lot of controllables. We let go, and I think either side of those, the two interpros, we just need to be a little bit more precise. So, I think we're we're in a bet we're in a better place than probably the results dictated. So, we just wanted to go out there and show that tonight. It's funny because when Connacht were fifteen nine up, I saw you getting across the field to take down Simon Zebo. Like there, there was a moment there where it could have got awkward again, like it did against Leinster. Do you think that's a kind of a critical juncture for you guys, and learning that how you finish this game, maybe compared to the previous URC home game against Leinster? Yeah, I think it's funny how it works like that. Like ultimately, we would have loved to win that Leinster game, but the learnings that came out of it is is huge for us as a group because relatively still a young team, new enough coaching ticket. So it's the learnings we took from it were huge, and I thought our game management towards the end of that. 
was was pretty good. Our halfbacks put us in the right place. Michael McDonald came on, made a serious impact. Jack, JJ kicked well and just allowed us to get that score at the end. Uh, half time, did you feel the elements were were a huge advantage to you turning into? Um, I don't even know. I don't think the elements were. I think it was us beating ourselves up. We small errors from us, penalties conceded, were allowing them into the game, and then we just needed to be smarter with the ball. Um, I think we were in the second half. Again, Jacko, JJ, Blady, um, Michael, they put us in the right places and as a four-pack you love that and we'll just keep working for them. Do you think the Connick scrum is underrated a little bit, how good it is? Hugely. Mm-hmm. I think the growth in our scrum between two years ago to now is phenomenal. I think the job Cully's done with us, but also like it's a very player-led environment, so Finlay, Dennis, uh, Duels, Aj... And the hookers, Hef, Dylan, even Tyg McElroy that's come in this year, they're huge. They're, their knowledge around the scrum is phenomenal and it just allows allows us in the back five to just really support them. And We go in confident in each game, even when we were in South Africa, we're confident in our ability to, to turn teams over there. I thought tonight uh, the balance of the back row from our perspective in the commentary was superb. <coughs> What's it like to play with the lads, with Seamus and, and with Jared for well tonight? Yeah, look, the two lads were awesome tonight. Um, Connor Oliver when he came home was savage as well. So, I think we've we've a phenomenal back row group in Connacht. Like Paul Boyle has been unlucky with injury. I thought he's been really good for us any time he has played. Um, see Sean O'Brien is super in that twenty minutes he played against Ulster, and then you've got lads like Sean Jansen and Oshie McCormack's coming back from injury. He's a super player as well. So, like there's there's a lot of good players there. So, I wouldn't say like. There's necessarily a stronger balance to the group. I think it's ultimately we got to figure out a way to play with each other, whether it be myself, Conor Oliver, Seamus, Jared, Conor Oliver, Seamus, Sean Jansen comes in there, Sean O'Brien comes in there. Like it's it's about us figuring out a way throughout the week, which allows us to be as effective as we were tonight. I don't remember uh, that much competition actually in the back row in, in covering Connick, so it must be an incredible battle to, to get your position. Just on tonight as well, we're trying to work out how this victory feels because beating Munster is always a hugely significant moment for Connick but I wonder if you guys are kind of at a level where it's 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 something you nearly expected or of yourselves to get this result like yeah look I think we're in a position where we expect to win every game um, like I think almost the, the position where we're probably more a little bit more relieved so that's probably why you saw that outburst of emotion because mm. like we're well aware it's been tough we've been on the the shit side of a couple of results so I think it was more relief than anything and then hopefully something that we can springboard forward now and start building some momentum. And you can't rest in your hours because you're still outside the playoffs. There's a, there's a lot of ground to make up and there's a lot of teams performing well around. It's a real battle to get into the top eight, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's it's a long season. Um, we're well aware that <coughs> some results that we would have liked to go away didn't go away, but I think we're in a stronger position than we were last year. Um, so we just got to build on that into the new year and hopefully we'll we'll start picking up some results. Just wondering ahead of Leon, um, there was a feeling in those two Champions Cup games with the amount of scores conceded that maybe Connacht are a little bit out of their depth compared to the teams they're going to get through the knockout stages. You still have a great chance. How do you feel going over to Leon in terms of the what's possible for Connacht if you can get the results you probably need to get to get out of the um, We haven't thought about Leon really. Right. Um, we have, what, two weeks leading now, so we have a couple of days off and then we'll be back in Thursday. Um, but ultimately, we'll just take it day by day, game by game, and we'll see where we are post the Leon game. We'll go from there. Because um, European rugby is the most exciting tournament, so <coughs> we probably haven't done ourselves justice. So it's a exciting opportunity to go to France and pick up a result and keep building.
What do you think Connacht were able to do in the closing stages from your perspective that gave them the edge? Uh, Stop just getting into their 22. The breakdown was fierce. Uh, good scrum from them uh, towards the end there. And JJ with a win behind him. I thought he kicked very well. And obviously our line-out fell apart there in the last minute of the game. Um, and they scored and just took everything away from us. The line-out before half-time as well, that second quarter, when you have the elements and maybe a bit of momentum, uh, certainly the same just before half-time, there was a chance to yeah. get a score. Is that where you lost it, do you think? Um, I'm not going to pinpoint the loss on any one particular individual or one moment of the game. We have got guys functioning positions without a lot of game time, um, which, which matters. Um, but I'm not going to look to that for excuses. Uh, Shane, just maybe a player's perspective on, on a really tough night and a tough loss. Yeah, look, very frustrating. Um, we've come out the wrong side of a lot of these games in the last few weeks, so it's it's tough to to keep taking loss after loss like that because we haven't done much wrong. You know, for seventy odd minutes of that game, we were in control and in a good position to come away with at least something from the game. Um, just a bit of control around our set piece and discipline access again. It's the same things we're talking about every week. I think that's what's frustrating. But um, look, we had we had everything we needed to win the game, but we're just not getting over line at the minute. So it's something we need to look at. Okay, that were the post-match interviews where you heard Wilkins, Keen Prendergast, Graham Rowntree, and Shane Daly. I will, I will. I leave all that in because my head's gone because I'm still so excited about the fact that we won that game so well and it was a, it was a really good win. Dave, that was that was as good a win against Munster as I've seen. A lot of people around me were worried and I'm gone. I never felt that worried about that game. I will be with the people who are around you. I do. I always felt worried because this is Connacht. I mean, we should have beaten Leinster and we didn't. We should have beaten Ulster and didn't. Um, we should have beaten Munster and did. Um, there are a few turning points in that game but I think... I think it's significant that we now have somebody, if he's on the pitch, can nail penalties from the halfway line, and you feel confident that he can. Um, well, he was a 90% kicker before tonight, and that hasn't gone any less. Get, it's not gone any less. I mean, 17 points for JJ. Um, and you just felt, you could just see it punching. Graham Brownchie, you'll hear it, you've heard it. Graham Brownchie's what, saying something happened in 17 minutes. I'll tell you what happened in 17 minutes, Graham. You took off Tony Butler. That's what happened. And they fell apart. They put Scanlon into 12. I don't know who went into 12. Um, yeah, Sean, it was a crazy decision. Crazy decision. I mean, and then, then, then you just compound it by bringing on Patterson. Now, Patterson's a good, it's a good scrum half, but he's, he hasn't played. And they just fell apart in that last day. Even the very last play they did, which was to kick the ball from their own goal, I said, lads, if you run it, you're a monster. If there's one team can score a try four minutes into injury time, it's you guys. You would have got a losing bonus point. And they kicked it back down to JJ and he kicks it out. Um, yeah, but that was because if you looked at it during the game, they, ever, they never looked like breaking the game line. I'm not sure they did. I think Zemo mm. might possibly have broken the game line when Mac got in that time because yeah. that's the other major story yeah, of the game is, is the injuries mm-hmm. um, to both sides yeah. and we'll talk about that in a second mm-hmm. but for me it was the comfort that I felt because we were winning a lot of the contacts it's, it's in retrospect I didn't think of it at the time but looking back on it they never came close to scoring a try apart from no. the when they really really should have um, yeah if he just dropped on the ball instead of picking it up and diving it, I don't know why he didn't just I mean, drop on it and these, and these people say oh, it's the same as what Shane Bolton did right, this is Gavin Coombs picking yeah. the ball up and then got his knee yeah. over the dead ball like. people will say it's exactly what Shane Bolton happened to Shane Bolton in Belfast but the difference was Shane Bolton picked the ball up and, and just momentum took him over Coombs just needed to fall on the ball it's mind blowing he does that but that's something look again looking at it from this, this side now that sums them up they did stupid stuff mm. we did stupid stuff 
and for once we we got away. We were. I think we, we were, didn't do as much. No, I think we. I think we were refereed slightly differently to them. I think we give away our penalties. No problem with our penalties. I will come on to the injuries. I think we have mm-hmm. to admit that. And then, yeah, I thought they were. They, 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 he didn't referee them the same way. I thought they got away stuff they didn't. But they got a yellow card. Now we'll talk about the rights and wrongs of that in a second. But in that ten minutes, we scored three points and they were zeroed. Yeah. You can't win a game if you can't score when the other team's No, and that's, that's because, William, I'll bring you in on this, and that's because Connacht were winning a lot of the contacts. Also, the kickoffs, for the most part, were way better than they've been in a long time. And most importantly, the line-out worked practically all night in horrendous conditions. Yeah, there was, it was a lot better. It was an adequate performance, I think. I mean, Munster were so shorn of players. They had two world-class players. Conor Murray had a very good game mm. and Tyburn was the man of the match, really. It's incredible. No, no offence to Keane, but it should probably go to the winning, winning team. Um, but the, you always felt Connacht were in control there mm. uh, through the game and even when it was tight, Munster never got within 10 metres, really in attacking sense. Well, I think the Danny has a stat. They, were, they, were, they got to our 22 seven or eight times and scored two penalties. Yeah, so Connick's defence was on top and you felt at the end there was always the chance that they would add a bit of icing on the kick and they deserved that and it was it was a clever kick, it put pressure on their line out, it failed. Um, good work by Dylan Tierney Martin, Dennis Buckley lifted him like a sack of spuds and hoovered him over the line and then somehow or other Jack Ainger got, came up with the ball. It, it just had that feel that yeah. that was the um, performance that was needed. Um, I still don't think they're in a great place. I think five and four is a bare minimum. Yeah, but everybody's beating everybody at this stage. Teams are beating each other all around the league. Ulster are currently beating Leicester. Yeah, that, that, that'll change. Um, no, I, I'm going to go back to what I'm saying. This time last year, uh, we were four and seven. There was less games left, but there are interprovincials left. There's two right at the end of the season. Connacht have got to win, I believe now, seven games out of nine. That's a big ask when you look at who they're playing. There's two maybe targetable games, uh, which seems to be a new word back in the lexicon here. Um, in Wales, Benetton isn't targetable, and I wouldn't like to be trying to win Inter Pros. They've left serious points behind at this time of the season. Uh, they were in winning opportunities or drawing opportunities in games. And they were in the same tonight, and they did it. Tonight was the difference in that they, because, as Keane because, said, they seem to have learned. No, Bunster just aren't good enough. You're talking about the URC champions. They're just in a bad run. They've got two more serious injuries. I don't know where they're going to keep finding players from. It's pretty obvious, listening to Graham Rowntree, that he's, his head's spinning now. Yeah. Has he enough players to even run proper training sessions and what does he do with Europe my guess with Europe is they just they'll never admit it but they'll have to put a line through Europe because they can't compete mm. uh, and there's also the rumour around now about the uh, Peter O'Mahony situation that he is in a problem with his contract rather than yeah. other stuff I'm not saying that is correct but he was quite defensive when he was asked about it uh, in the press conference here and that's yeah, that's part of the game as well, players oh, yeah. uh, in, in that scenario. But, you know, there they are. Yeah, they are. My heart bleeds for them. They were in a worse situation when they went to Wasps and they won in Wasps with a bunch of kids, some of whom, one of whom was Tony Butler, who didn't start the game until tonight. 
I and, have and no, si- I have no sympathy for them. They spunked money away on players. They're having their correspondents on TV complain that it's not fair that they're having to get rid of players. And you're thinking, yeah, that's like somebody complaining that the guy, the guy next door has bought your for has bought your Ferrari when they only already own a Bugatti Veyron, and we're driving, but we're driving a bloody, we're, we're driving a Mini Cooper. So you know, I've no sympathy for him. He has enough players. Of course, he has enough players. They were beaten tonight because they, there were terrible decisions made by the coaching team. There was terrible decisions made by the players on the pitch and the better team won and I, I disagree with yes William we may need to win seven games what's stopping us there is that there is that but let's go back to something that you were mentioning earlier because we do have to talk about it mm. um, we've lost Carl Ford to looks like a shoulder injury yeah, um, and more importantly Mac Hansen mm. and I'm not exactly sure what that injury was but it wasn't pleasant because he was taking oxygen coming off the field William yeah he was in agony he was in absolute agony um, my guess would be he's either broken or dislocated his shoulder or he's dislocated his elbow. Um, it's not often you see a player in that physical amount of pain. Um, they got him to walk off. Uh, it might have been fair, actually, to get him to lie down and, and cart him off, but he was just in, in pieces. It's what, look, it was a very hard game. It was very physical. It crossed the line a couple of times from both sides. Um, that's what interprovincial rugby is. That's that's about players wanting to win. But uh, that could be serious for Connacht and or Ireland going forward. But they just have to see. I'm sure he'll be put in a scanner tomorrow, and they'll know more. They will indeed. And of course, the the monster had three injuries, and one of them looked looked like more than a, red, a yellow card to me. And that Byron Ralston, I know he probably didn't intentionally mean to hit Jack O'Donoghue like that. But he did. Yeah, I mean, I have no issues if that's a red card. I can't, I can't, I can't make, I can, I can, I can understand what happened. I do have a slight advantage of you guys. I got the full feed and Andrew Bryce said he tried to wrap up and he's missed the clean out. Now, I think he did. I don't think he did mean the clean out. I'm not saying he was targeting the knee. I think he wanted to hit the thigh and got it horribly wrong. If there is a, a siding out of that, again, I don't think we have much to complain about. Mm-hmm. I do think, though, if that's the case, there should be a siding on what happened to Matt because that looked like his, his elbow was targeted. It looks exactly the same. And I know they're going about, I know Peter was going on about in from the side. Well, in Ralston's case, he's, he's absolutely mm-hmm. bang to rights there. They, they absolutely yep. acknowledge that mm-hmm. in their process to give him the yellow card. So, yeah, there, I, I wouldn't be surprised if more comes of that. I would actually think that the problem that annoys me with, and this is back to a little bit of inconsistency by Busby is that's exactly the same thing, but it wasn't mentioned at all by the TMR or the or the uh, or the officials. They just let it happen. And yeah. that's the spot. There were a few things. Ollie Yeager's just damn unlucky. He's just damn well, unlucky. you don't you don't run into Finley Bealham and Joe Joyce head first and expect to go through them. Well no, and it's not like the, he I had to say I'm back to this one of my bugbears is that oftentimes we saw it actually when Carl Ford was yellow card against Leinster. He didn't instigate the he didn't instigate the contact, and he was hit. And yet, because he's the tackler, uh, he was yellow carded. I was surprised. I'm, I mean, with with Bosby, I'm actually surprised he didn't look it. But they did genuinely say rugby incident, and it was. He just basically, as mm-hmm. I say, it's like a narrow passage. It got narrower. Where they they both hit him on the shoulder with their shoulders. He just happened to stick bang his head up both their shoulders. No, I understand. I, I don't even think he banged his head. I think it's just one of those things. He was going quite fast, and yeah. they stopped him dead. Well, yeah, yeah. There's also, I mean, I'd like to go on into physics, but at some point, if you stop somebody going at that speed, yeah. there is a, the momentum has to go somewhere. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, it's Christmas time. It's New Year, actually. We've got a New Year's Day. Good start to the, to the New Year. I don't we have a whole hell of a lot else to talk about. We'll, um, I've got one thing for you. Oh, oh, William's got something? Yeah. Um, Sam Warburton yesterday in the oh, Sunday Times God, yes. put out this um, 
quite bizarre article. Now, I, I don't know, maybe he um, just wrote it and pressed send. I want to quote something off it. It says, um, there's no buy-in to the URC he's talking about. I'm a former Cardiff player, now a fan and board member, and I'm afraid the Cardiff URC results do not mean enough to me. Europe, yes, but not the URC. I think that is a scandalous Absolutely. statement by somebody who works a lot in the media. He's on the board. Mm. He should be immediately asked to leave the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the bullshit is Italy can go and join um, France um, with about two and six to spend. So maybe in Pro D3. Uh, the South Africans can go back and play uh, with themselves in South Africa. Uh, funnily enough, they've already tried that and it really doesn't work. Mm. Um, and Ireland and Scotland have to understand uh, that England and Wales have issues and need help and there needs to be some clear thinking. <laughs> I don't think I have read worse crap in my life and I hope it's just laughed out. And if the Welsh Rugby Union need to get a hold of these clubs and say, listen, you need to book up. Mm. We know there's problems. You're short of money. Yep. Get on with it. Mm-hmm. There is a fan base issue. Well, there was no fan base issue here today. There was seven, 8,000 people in. That's actually some of the worst mm-hmm. continuously bad conditions I've ever seen. Yep. It started appalling and it got worse through the <sighs> afternoon. It did not let up for no. one second. No, it didn't. Um, but that, I, I, I'm, I'm gobsmacked by that sort of thinking. And if that's the sort of thinking that is around clubs in Wales, and of course they want to get to play the English clubs because they see that as the panacea. I don't think the English clubs are that bothered. Um, baffling, absolutely baffling. I mean, I haven't read Sam Morton's piece because I just looked at the headline and went, are you kidding me? Um, I'd like to know, how, why is it the RFU's decision to make, to make more Welsh players? The first half of Car- By the way, Sam, Cardiff were beating for- Dragons 45-7. I'm not quite sure the RFU want to bolster the Dragons. Um, was, was Sam complaining then? No. He's just annoyed. The reason, reason the fact is, is that the RFU... Being the English WRU teams... WRU now. WRU. So the RFU, it is not their job to make more Welsh players. It is not their job to, um, to, to do WRU's job in improving the coaching at schools level, at youth level. What is in it for them? When you are getting hockeyed by 60 points by Newcastle or, or Exeter or Leicester, when they are laughing at, when none of the Leicester fans are showing it, when they're playing B teams, mm-hmm. I mean, what's going to be your solution then? I'm sorry, but I would like to tell you, Sam, London Irish, uh, Wasps, uh, uh, Worcester, and this year, Jersey, who were the champions, mm-hmm. they uh, would like to tell you about how good the RFU and the Premiership is about saving clubs. And I'll tell you another thing, there's an entire division called the Championship who are really happy with how the Premiership works because none of them can get into it now because they ring-fenced it. They're not going to take you in. They don't want to divide their money because they're all shit-scared and they realise that their, their, their product isn't worth it. And stop <coughs> listening to Austin Idy, the man's an idiot. Well, okay. We do have any other business because Danny left some, so here's his any other business. I'm not sure how well it matches up to what Dave just ranted <laughs> on about. So um, here's what Danny had to complain about with the, the clocks on the field in the sports ground. Well, it's it's the uh, it's the clock. It's the clock at ha- on the halfway. Either stick it just either side of the of the flags because it's just sitting in the middle of it and you can't see it all the time. Also, get it to go past 40 and 80. It's so annoying to watch. You look you're looking across. It's like right, it's 40, but. The ref could be playing an extra minute or two, but Ralston had a yellow card. 
how many we, we played an extra couple of minutes we didn't know when he was due to come back on simple stuff okay we'll leave it there folks we will not have a podcast midweek as Connacht are playing next week so this at week. the end of this this week this week of course sorry it's Monday holy cow <laughs> <laughs> so there's no game this Saturday coming um, so we won't have a podcast midweek I will have something that um, we recorded with uh, Andrew Brace assuming the quality is good enough because I just had a phone on the desk um, but he had some really interesting things to say at the EPCR launch so I'm hoping that's going to be good enough for a, a podcast uh, later in the week but to finish off today's podcast, here's William with the results and table for the URC after round nine. This podcast is dedicated to all the cameramen and photographers Absolutely. who took one for the team today. Boys, I wouldn't swap my job or my position for yours for any amount of money. Results from round nine of the United Rugby Championship on Saturday, December the 30th, 2023. Bennett on 36, Zebra 14. Edinburgh 19, Glasgow 14, and Stormers 16, Sharks 15, January the 1st, 2024. Connacht 22, Munster 9, Ospreys 27, Cardiff 21, Dragons 13, Scarlets 12, Leinster 21, Ulster 22. But let's look at the complete table. First place are Leinster. Seven wins, two losses, 34 points. Benetton in second. Seven wins, one loss, one draw, 32 points. Glasgow, six wins, three losses, 31 points are in third. Ulster with the same record. Six and three are fourth on 28. Edinburgh with the same record. Six and three are fifth on 26. The Bulls, with five wins and three losses from their eight games, are sixth on 26 points. And the next team in seventh are the Stormers, five wins, four losses and 26 points. The Ospreys, five wins and four losses from their nine games, are eighth with 25 points. And Connacht are in ninth with five wins and four losses and 24 points. Munster in tenth are on the same number of points. And they got there by four wins, four losses and a draw. Cardiff in 11th have three wins, five losses, one draw, 21 points. In 12th, the Lions, they've played seven games. They have three wins, four losses, 19 points. Then there's a drop to the teams that make up positions 13 to 16. The Scarlets have played nine. They've two wins, seven losses, 12 points. Zebra in 14th have one win, seven losses, one draw in with 12 points. The Dragons are two wins, seven losses, 10 points. And the Sharks are in 16th and final position. Played eight, won one, lost seven, eight points. So it's European action at the end of next week. So we'll be previewing that. And we'll have a look at how the tables are spread out before that. And we will also have a look at how our European opposition is doing. The URC is on holidays next week, but not the top 14 or the English Premiership. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes Sad and confused Don't wait until